You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Hey, listen, so glad to be here. My name is Mark Roy, um, and I've had the opportunity to be preach here a couple of times, and I really appreciate Doug giving me the opportunity. Uh, as you can read that passage or hear the reading of that passage, it's a pretty heavy passage, is it not? And we have been looking at the letters that uh, John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had written to uh, the churches, seven different churches in Asia Minor, and uh, we've been going through that series. Today, we're going to be looking at the church of Thyatira which is an interesting word to pronounce, Thyatira. And uh, it was a church uh, that we'll, we'll look at in just a moment, look at some of the history of it. But our goal with this series has been to encourage all of us uh, to live our lives in a manner with the end in mind and what we're doing. Have you ever wondered why sometimes uh, it's difficult for us to hear the voice of God in, your, in our lives? Um, and when I say hear the voice of God, it's not necessarily the audible voice of God, but it's God speaking to us. It can be through his word. It can be through a sermon. It can be through a song. Uh, but we hear his voice as he leads us in our spiritual life and also really understanding the direction of God in our life. Uh, today, I want to look at some of the root causes of why we stop hearing and why we stop sensing the direction of what God wants us to do. Uh, and the big idea that I want to communicate with you today is that compromise robs you and I of our confidence. Compromise robs you of your confidence. And that's what we're going to see in the church of Thyatira. Historically, uh, it was a wealthy church. It was in a very small city. Uh, and it was really known mainly because it was a community of artisans. Uh, there were coppersmiths. There were people who would dye clothing using what was called matter root, which made the very famous purple cloth of that day and time. There were wool workers and linen workers, makers of outer garment, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, and bronze smiths. And it was a very well-organized community. And that community, uh, all of those artisans, they would have belonged to a trade guild or that we may call it a union. And these guilds, when you were a member of them, uh, it would bring significant work to you as an artisan. These guilds also had a tremendous power and influence, and they were closely committed to the false religion, the religion of Baal at that time, who had pagan feasts. And because of these practices, they would be completely opposite to what they would have known and what we know as Christianity. And all of those who would have rejected, rejected these traditions, these false teachings, these practices, uh, they would have faced great persecution and potentially even the loss of business. And I think all of us, uh, no matter where we work, no matter what we do, we always feel those pressures of us having to conform uh, to whatever job role you may have in your life. Fire Tire was a church that was prone to compromise and to tolerate the sin that was in surrounding society. 
And yet it was a loving church. At the same time, it was well-respected in, in the community. What's so interesting about this particular letter is that it was the smallest community, the smallest city, and yet it received the longest letter, which is interesting to me. So thus we can say, don't assume that small means insignificant. And we can really apply that even to that of compromise. When we begin to make compromise, it has great impact upon us. Uh, one of our city, tri city tribers, uh, Ali Garcia, she posted this morning, I was just flipping through Facebook, and she, she posted this one thing, that spiritual death happens one compromise at a time. And I thought that was really profound. The spiritual death happens at one compromise at a time. So Jesus is responding to this church, a church of compromise, of their tolerance with what we will call the spirit of Jezebel. We'll look at that in just a moment. But as we begin to look in verse 19, the first thing that we see that Jesus does is that he gives the church a compliment. It says in Revelation 2, verse 19, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than that of the first. So when they first began that church, their, their works of love, the works of compassion possibly, they were good. But Jesus was saying he was complimenting them that you're doing better. So their external manifestation of their Christianity was doing great, but what the problem was, there was an internal problem that we'll see here as we look at the spirit of compromise. I wrote this statement down, that success can lead us to complacency. And when complacency continues to stay in our life, it will lead us into compromise. And that's what we see take place over and over again. So they were a community that was compassionate to their city. Maybe they had feeding programs. We don't know specifically, but as a church, they were off to a good start. They were growing in their effectiveness and their work, and yet there was some compromise that was there. And the challenge for all of us is that we would all grow in both of those areas, that we would grow in our spiritual inner life, but then also grow in showing that to our community and whatever that looks like. So the first thing that he does is that he brings a compliment. The second thing that we see uh, in verse 20 is, is that he begins to bring a correction to them. And he calls out the wrong kind of tolerance. Revelation 2.20 reads, but I have this against you. There's that contrasting word. You're doing good, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and they eat things sacrificed to idols. We see that same phraseology mentioned many times in all the churches. It was, it was that of compromise. Now, the word tolerance is an interesting word. The definition of it literally means a willingness to accept behavior and beliefs that are different from your own, even if you disagree or with a disapproval of them. 
So there is a kind of tolerance that we should all seek in society, in the public square, in the civil arena that allows people with different religious beliefs to live together in peace and respect each other as human beings. And in society, we as Christians, we should advocate for religious tolerance, that the city or the state or the nation would not punish or discriminate. But as we look at tolerance, it's a very interesting word. I mean, particularly in the day and time which we live in, it's a buzzword, I believe. Tolerance can be a good thing if it's in the right area. But then also, it can be a bad thing and produce in, uh, compromise if it's in the wrong place. So it's a double-sided coin. So in other words, I shouldn't tolerate things that are not good for my family, for my life, for my children. For my, I shouldn't tolerate it, all right? But at the same time, we should have an attitude of tolerance to other people. But this distinction between the church and the city or in the world, we have to keep it as a critical thing in our mind. But the problem with the church at Thyatira is that they tolerated the, the, what they called Jezebel. That was the concern they had. You tolerated the woman Jezebel. Now, as I looked at commentators, Jezebel could have been a literal person that is in that community. There are some earlier manuscripts that says that it could have been, or it could have been something that's used figuratively, in which that's really what I'm going to focus on this morning. What does the spirit of Jezebel, what does Jezebel look like? And we're going to look and see that there's three different areas that, that we see that take place. But Jezebel was a real person. She was a person. She was married to a king named Ahab. And Ahab, the scripture says, was one of the most evil kings in all of Israel. And she used her life and her influence on them to lead them astray and to make and allow them to compromise in so many different ways. And so as we look at that, we look at Jezebel. She was one, the scripture says in 1 Kings 16, I believe it's verse 25, it says that she enticed Ahab to do evil, and that's what took place. And so she brought compromise into the camp. And so when, when Ahab should have been a king, he was a king of Israel, the king of, uh, of leading the people. Uh, he should have been one leading him in the ways of God. It was because of her influence that they were led astray and they were led into compromise. And so when I begin to speak about tolerating Jezebel. I'm talking about the characteristics, the spiritual thing of what she was doing to bring compromise. And when we think about compromise, we can compromise in many different areas. Uh, we can compromise in what we allow our eyes to see. You know, you could be struggling with an addiction toward looking at porn. You know, uh, well, even today, just outside here, we have a new group called Conquerors that's being launched. Uh, and it's a, a community, it's a tribe where you can come together and you can overcome those areas. But your compromise could be in line. It could be just telling the little white lies, you know what I mean? Or it could be your lust for power or your love of money. Whatever it is, is that it becomes an area of compromise. 
So as we look at the spirit of Jezebel, I want to speak about three things real quickly that of how it wants to bring compromise on our life and how it wants to stop three different things. Number one, it wants to stop you from hearing the voice of God. Compromise will always hinder the hearing of the voice of God. So when I begin to lose if you will, a a sense of being able to hear from God. And again, I'm not speaking like, hey, Otto, hey, Mark. Uh, You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. He can speak to you this morning. I pray that he does. We don't get up here just to preach, just to share words with her, but we hope that you hear something from God, not just the words of men. It can be through praise and worship. It can be through a book. It can be through nature. But Jezebel wants to stop us from hearing the voice of God. The scripture says in John that my sheep hear his voice. And so if you're a follower of the great sheep herder, the the, the master there, you're going to hear his voice. And so that's the first thing that it does. It stops us from hearing the voice of God. The second thing that the spirit of Jezebel wants to do, it, it wants you to stop knowing the direction that God wants you to have in your life. So today, if you feel like you have no direction in your life, could it be because you've allowed compromise to come in your life? I know in my life, when if I allow compromise to come, I feel somewhat directionless. And it's important for us to understand that. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says this, that we are to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. Your path will be made straight. So the spirit of Jezebel wants us to stop, wants to stop us from hearing his voice. He wants to stop us from knowing his direction. And the, the third thing here is the spirit of Jezebel wants to stop you from understanding the authority that God has given you in your life. God has given us authority over all the things of the world. God has given us authority over all the things of the world. So there's nothing that we are being tempted with that scripture says that Jesus found all things common to man of what we would be tempted with, but he has given us authority. But spirit of Jezebel wants to make you feel powerless And I have said this statement for years is this, but to the degree that you walk under the authority of God, you will have authority. So where I can have an area of struggle in my life and and I can go to a tribe and I can go to a community and I can learn to overcome. I understand the authority that God has given giving me that he that I can take every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you begin to have success and authority over something in your life, you know what that does? It gives you authority. It gives you authority to be a voice of encouragement to someone else that may be having the same problem. But the spirit of Jezebel wants to stop stop us from hearing his voice, God's voice, knowing his direction and discovering his authority. The third thing that we look here, and it's the last point that I want to share with you, is that there is a call to repentance. This is Jesus' response 
to compromise. Now, these are heavy, heavy verses. I'm sure as you were reading or listening to the verses being read, you're going, oh, this is going to be a fun sermon, uh, you know, and thank you, Doug, for letting me preach on this. And, uh, but in verse 21, it says this, I gave her time to repent, but yet she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her under on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And then he goes on, he says, I will kill their children with pestilence and the churches will know that I am the one who searches the mind and the hearts and I will give each one of you according to your deeds. And you see, sin that is not stopped, the end result is always bad. John 10, 10 says, that the enemy comes to do what? Still, still kill and destroy. That's what sin wants to do in your life. And when we don't allow God to come in and to give us victory and walk into the forgiveness of sin and power over sin, that's what takes place. But the first thing uh, that I, I want to point out to you is that God or that Jesus is patient with us when it comes to the repentance that he has for us. He is patient. He gives us time to repent of our sins. And so I, when, I, when I think about that, the, the, when I was thinking about this, such a strong word of repentance in, in that word repent, you've heard Doug say this just a couple of weeks ago, that it literally means for there to be a change of mind that will result in a change of action. How many times have we said, uh, I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. I'm stopping. That's my last time. We pray, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to do that again. Right? And you last about a day or two. I mean, that's been my success rate, you know. And the reason why I don't have success is because I'm not changing how I think. Because that is the battleground of Satan. It's our mind. It's with thoughts and speculations and imaginations. And so until we learn how to change our thinking, to have a proper perspective of who God is and who we are in him, until we change our mind, we'll not change our action. But he wants us to repent. And his first thing is he is patient to give us time to repent. I love what it says in Romans uh, chapter two, verse four. And I really believe this is such a strong verse for this day and time. And it says this, do you think lightly of his riches, of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads a man to repentance? I love that. Aren't you glad? His first reaction to us in areas of compromise is to give us time. I can remember a long time ago, because I'm an older person, but it was about 40 years ago, but you know, I can remember this night as if it was yesterday. And I had got saved when I was 18 years old. I responded to Jesus in my life, and uh, I, I had graduated from business school, but ended up going into ministry. And I can remember I, I took the role uh, working with a student organization on a college campus called Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas. And, and I can remember being a leader, a young leader, or just graduated from college. And, uh, and yet, there was a lot of areas in my life that I still had compromise in. 
there was a lot of choices that I made in my dating life that were not good moral choices. And there was a lot of things, but I can remember this one particular night sitting in, in my room and feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit probably stronger than I've ever felt him in my life. And it literally was at one of those points, and maybe you've had one of these experiences. I pray that you haven't, but it, it scared me. And it was at that point when I knew that I was teetering between the patience and the tolerance of God and then him saying, okay, you want that? And the judgment of God. And the judgment would be that he'll let you have what you want. And we've all made choices in our lives where we've chosen to walk away from God and things usually do not get better. I can promise you, they don't get better. But I can remember there being such a weightiness of that moment laying on my floor. I mean, crying, saying, God, forgive me. Help me. Forgive me. And God being so kind in his grace that he did not give me what I deserve, which was judgment. And you see, that's the God that we serve. And when you talk about repentance, you talk about the Heavenly Father. And this is such a weighty passage. But the thing that I, I, I want you to be reminded of this morning, and it's even what Doug preached about last week about a father, is our Heavenly Father, his first response to us when we mess up is kindness. No matter what your earthly father was, no matter how they responded to you, no matter how you were disciplined, his first response to us is say, you can repent. You can choose to change your mind that will change your action. So we see that in this verse. He says, I gave her time to repent. The second thing we see here is that God's justice and his judgment, it does come. And he will literally show us, he will show us the things that we need to repent of. He'll show us. So even as we kind of stop and begin to wind down this message, today, that's what the message is. Is It is a message of repentance. Saying, God, I want to come to you today. I want you to show me the things in my life that are wrong. How does he do that? Well, the first thing that he do, he does, is that he begins to search our hearts. I love the verse of scripture uh, where it says <clears throat> that our hearts are deceitfully sick above all things. Who can understand them? But it says the Lord is the one that searches our hearts. He knows our heart. We can't even really know our own hearts. We have to have God to show us. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24 says this. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we just begin to say, Lord, Search my heart. So what I want us to do right now is I just want you maybe just to bow your head. And let's just take this time just to look at our lives. 
That's what the message was to Thyatira, that it was to be a message of repentance, of just saying, Lord, is there anything within me? So just begin to, to say that. Say, Lord, just show me. It says that our hearts were de deceitfully sick. Who can understand? But Lord, show me. And the Lord is so good. He's so good to show us where we're wrong, where we need to repent. And just as you stay in that posture of contemplating before the Lord, the, the second way that the Lord speaks to us of areas where we need to repent, it's through his word. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God comes as a living, active, sharper, sharp two-edged sword. It's piercing as far as the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the word of God comes and that word to pierce there means to lay open. And the first thing that he does is he begins to show us what parts of our life are soulish and what are spiritual. What are the things that, are, that don't belong there? That's what his word does. It, it also speaks to the joints in their marrow. And I believe that speaks of relationships. It's relationships that we all have and maybe we shouldn't have because they're a bad influence on us. I've said this for years to young people all over the world and it applies to us as adults uh, also is that you will become like the people you hang out with. For some of you right now, the Holy Spirit may be saying, bringing just some people to mind saying, you know what? That person is not a good influence on you. And you may need to separate that. And then it says that the word of God comes and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Those are kind of the harder things sometimes for us to see. But Lord, in this place, would you show us anything in our hearts that separate us from knowing you? And the third way that we understand what we need to repent of. It's through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That word convict means to bring to light. John 16 says this, and he, when he comes, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. He will come to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit shows us what's wrong. So even right now, as you're just sitting there thinking, say, Lord, show me any area of my life where it's not according to your word. And then he says, I will convict you of righteousness. I love that the Holy Spirit shows me what is wrong, but then also he shows me what's right. So Lord, show us maybe not the bad things that we need to stop doing, but show us the good things that we need to begin doing. And then it says concerning judgment that the enemy has been judged. So Father, right now, I pray off all condemnation of the enemy right now. Because see, I don't come bringing this message to make you feel bad. To make you feel bad about what you did last week or, or even last night. 
It's not to bring condemnation. Our Father does not do that. He does not bring condemnation. He wants to bring to light. He wants to convict because he knows ultimately that that will bring destruction in your life. So Lord, just speak to us today. Areas that we need to change. May we hear the message to the church at Thyatira that, Lord, we may be doing good things, but Lord, our inner life needs some help. Would we be a community that would not tolerate compromise? And I speak this last verse as we close. In Romans 12, verses one and two, and it says this, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body as a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but would you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God in your life. So in that scripture, there's even dimensions of what we can experience in walking out the will of God in our life, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect. Father, let us not be content just for the good, not for what just is the acceptable, but Father, may we truly pursue what it means to be walking in the perfection of knowing and doing your will. So Father, in Jesus' name, right now as we close, I just pray, Lord, that over my brothers and sisters here, that every area of their life or our lives, Lord, where we need to repent, where we need to change our minds so our actions can change, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to accomplish that. Psalms 51 speaks of David, King David, what we know is one of the greatest kings in Israel. His characteristic of his life he was known as a man after God's own heart and yet we know that his history he was an adulterer he was a murderer Psalms 51 is a psalm of repentance and this I pray these two verses over us today as we close it says in Psalms 51 10 and it says this this is our prayer Lord creating me a clean heart Renew a steadfast spirit or desire within me. Verse 12 says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Father, I pray that over all of us today that you would give us a willingness to hear this message that, Lord, we want to change so that we can be pleasing to you. Lord, where the world tempts us to conform, Father, let us choose to conform to the image of Jesus Christ in all our life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that even as we leave this place, that you give us the power, the authority to do everything that you've called us to be and do on this earth. We speak it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Thank you so much for letting me share with you this morning. I know it's a difficult message, but it's a real simple message. God loves you too much to let you remain the way that you are. That's how much he loves you. We serve a wonderful father. And whom the father loves, he what? He disciplines. And that's what this message is. As we close here today uh, and we move to the giving portion of our worship, I just... Uh, just want, first of all, on behalf of, uh, of, of, of Doug and all the staff here, thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And uh, you can see on the back screen there the different ways in which you can give. But there's two verses of scripture I was praying about this morning that I wanted to share today. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, and these are promises to us. It says this, that we are to honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty. I love that. So when we have a generous heart and we give unto God, we honor God with his stewardship over our resources. His promises us to us is that he, our barns would be full. And the last one is found in Proverbs eleven twenty five, And it says this, a generous man will be prosperous. Now, that, that's not just money. That's with everything that you do. It's with kindness. It's with love. It's with joy. And when you share those commodities to the world, and those are things that money can't necessarily buy, but it says to a generous man, he'll be prosperous. And I love this. And he who waters, you water somebody else, he will also be watered. See, there's a lot of times when we have need in our life and we're just saying, I need to be watered. I need this. I need this. And what I've learned in my life, a principle of giving is what I need. I need to find somebody else that needs the same thing and I need to water them. And then God says he will be faithful to make sure that we are watered. You can give through mail, online, through text, in person at the kiosks that are here. Just also want to remind you about the Conqueror Tent. Uh, it's just a support group uh, that, that is out there. And then also our prayer tent is available uh, that if you want someone to pray with you. But thank you so much. I hope you have a great day, uh, a good weekend, and a greater week. So bless you guys. Have a good day. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.